My guest on this week's episode of Says and Search is Brian Ussery. Brian is a veteran digital marketer, conference speaker, and Google product expert. He has held several senior SEO positions, most recently as director of SEO at Razorfish. I caught up with Brian shortly after PubCon Austin. Brian gave a speech which received quite a bit of attention titled Helpful Content, Trust, and Holistic Marketing. We're going to start our conversation asking him about the helpful content update. Brian points out that Google wants to, quote, ensure that people are seeing helpful content written by people for people. How does Google determine if a piece of content is helpful? How is Google assessing online trust? With the emergence of ChatGPT and AI-generated content, how can content written by humans stand out? I'm going to ask Brian these questions and many others. Grab something cold to drink and join me for a conversation with Brian Usry. We'll chat about EEAT and why trust is at the center. We'll spend a little time chatting about self-tests. I'm going to ask Brian if he has any predictions about how Google will attempt to measure the helpfulness of content in 2023 and beyond. All right, Brian, welcome to Susan Search. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk to you. I The helpful content update is not a topic we've covered on Suds and Search. It's something where you're really an expert and you're, you're speaking at conferences. I know we just got back from PubCon where you were talking about this. And so I'm excited to dive into it with you. Uh, for our audience that maybe isn't as aware of this update, you know, as I understand it, in August of last year, in 2022, there was an algorithm update designed around uh, helpful content. And then there was an update to the update in December of last year. When I think of you know big algorithm updates in years past, I think of uh, Google trying to cramp down on something. So like Panda was about content farms or Penguin was about link spam. What was Google trying to do with this helpful content update? Were they trying to cramp down on something or was it something totally different? Um, so it, it seems like, so to take a step back during COVID, um, yeah. Google started to realize that in the past people had trusted uh, companies with their names on the side of the building and stadiums and things like that. And they began to see an acceleration uh, during COVID of, of people trusting sites that delivered a fast, frictionless, uh, personalized, uh, mobile friendly, but most of all, helpful user experience. And so then almost a year later, we start seeing helpful content updates. And really the goal is, is to ensure that the content is created by humans for humans and that it'll really be helpful. It's, it's kind of one of those things that AI is, is great, but in many cases it's never experienced something firsthand. It's never used the product. It's never been to the place. And, and as a result, Google's really trying to promote some of that unique content that you would only get by trying the product, going to the place, trying the recipe. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, I, that's a million dollar question to me. It's like, when I think of how Google measures things, how, how do they measure how helpful something is? I think in terms of, typically I think in terms of, signals from a search engine there are you know math equations and automations happening a billion times per day at lightning speed it seems like it'd be hard to figure out what is helpful that seems like something i would have to like look at assess and it would be a difficult thing to do quickly how how can they determine what's helpful and what isn't yeah any idea how google approaches that topic um whether it aligns with with the purpose um 
there there are a number of signals like you said it's actually a classifier that gets fed into the main algorithm the the catches is it is it rolls out over time there is a delay so you may see a slow decline and and as a result if you fix something you may see a slow recovery if if any um because there's a chance that you're going to have to go back and and create helpful content but yeah i mean uh links to helpful pages it it all comes back to the intent of the query and whether the the content is going to satisfy the needs of the users based on the dominant interpretation of the intent of the query and so some of those areas would would be to to find something new and interesting that that nobody else is talking about to share some one of the one of the easiest ways I think to do it for big companies, especially is to find some interesting internal data to share. Like I think it was Deloitte that um, whenever they were singing out the, the PPE checks uh, found that a lot of um, millennial millennials were actually investing the money in the stock market uh, mm. rather than, than using it for household income, you know, for going to the grocery store and things like that. So that's, um, that's one area. Another thing is how the page is created. People are always in a hurry. So things like bullet points can help. They're, they're just, um, there are a number of different aspects to it. You really have to kind of sit back and look at your website and think about who your customers are and take off the expert in your area lens and, and go from, go from there and say, is this really going to be helpful? Is there, is there a certain audience that I'm trying to target? Are things like the title helpful um, as far as the description, wherever they appear in search results? So you could look at uh, your, you could look at the, the click-through rate, for example, in, in Search Console. There are a number of, of smaller signals that I think they're, they're picking up on. So... That's very interesting. And the um, thing you said at the beginning that caught my interest was when I, okay, so if I, I just put myself in a position where I'm trying to think of businesses I trust, I might say things like the amount of years in business that they have or their size, like how much either that's financial size or the number of employees or whatever. You didn't mention any of that. Um, it doesn't sound like, you know, you, you mentioned this is stemming from COVID. Where people are, are clamoring for more online trust, but online trust doesn't mean what my brain instinctually goes to. It means something else. Um, are those fact? Do I have that right? Are those factors like size of the company, uh, the number of years in business, uh, number of employees, those sorts of? You said name on a building. Um, are those sorts of things not not super considered when we talk about online trust? We should be thinking about something totally different. Yeah, I mean, so, some of those companies that have their names on buildings and stadiums, the, their website, you know, frankly, is not very good. And, and, and I mean, you, you think about some larger companies, maybe that you do business with, and how their site compares to, um, you know, Google, Amazon. And, and honestly, when was it wasn't until probably a few years ago, that, uh, that you saw an, an, a building with Amazon on the side of it or a, a truck 
with Amazon on the side of it. And so by that point, they were already well on their way to being um, 50% of, of all e-commerce. So, uh, yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, so people, it's, it, it all comes down to perceptions and people think that when you're not providing a good experience that, um, that you don't, you don't care about the customers in many ways too, is, is what some of the research has shown. I mean, this same, same thing with speed, speed, nice. if pages load slowly that can cause people to have, um, negative perception. You know, this is a worthless piece of junk website. If it doesn't work well on mobile, uh, there's a lot of people that, I mean, I, I know myself personally, I'm like, you know, why is, why this company has got, you know, this company has got a stadium and they have buildings and, and, you know, I can't look at their website on my phone. So, um, it, it just, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot more to websites than people realize. I get it. No, I think, I think that's a, it's a good explanation. So the other thing you mentioned in the opening answer was ChatGPT. So this is, uh, I mean, it was hard to find a presentation at PubCon or any of the other conferences I looked at that didn't make some mention of ChatGPT. Chat um, you said it here. You said uh, they want to ensure that people see helpful content written by people for people. Uh, these content generators are getting better and better. Yeah. Um, you know, particularly if you're not talking about something with too much complexity. We're just talking about, you know, how to change oil in a car or something like that. It can be kind of hard to tell whether it was written by a person or not. Uh, it's, it's, again, it's more obvious than that. before everybody yells at me. It's more obvious in some pieces of content than others. But this is a huge challenge for Google. Uh, and it's a huge challenge moving forward. Uh, you know, do you have some insight into how they're tackling the specific problem of ensuring that people see helpful content written by people for people? Well, so they, they came back and um, they kind of softened the language a little bit, saying that um, AI, auto, you know, automatically generated content is is fine as long as it's as long as it's helpful. And mm -hmm. and I just think um, interesting. I, I just think that it, it's going to come down to, in some ways, there's going to be more focus, or there has to be on authorship, and and it may not be that that Google is going to crack down on that. Uh, but it could be that they're picking up other signals because, you know, if you, um, if it's an important decision, if it has to do with, you know, finances or medicine or something like that, are you really going to trust? Um, are you going to give your kid the medicine, uh, that AI says? All right. All right. You know, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, like the, the ramifications are huge. I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of my my question, Brian, is like, the, this is going to get better. Like, the, the GPT oh, yeah. is the worst it's ever going to be is today. And yeah. so, uh, you know, you, for example, like you pointed out in your presentation that they really don't know anything from 2021 to the present, right? right. So that seems like something they could shorten that time gap over oh, yeah. time. They could get better at it. Yeah. Um, so, so when I think about this stuff, I think about this as almost like a game of cat and mouse between content creators and Google that will go on for many years and uh, there will be a lot of updates and adjustments and ramifications. Do you agree with that framing? Is, it, is this going to be the, the nature of our, our job, particularly for people who, who do a lot of content creation? Do you think that it's going to be this like game of cat and mouse between Google and AI generated content for years to come? 
Absolutely. And I mean, and being the same, the same way, I don't, I don't know if you've had a chance to use the new um, being with the chat GPT, but I was, I was actually really, really impressed um, at, at how well it, it was meshed in, in some cases. It's more like being gives yeah. you the, the answer. Um, but in other cases, it, it's more like it's, it's chat GPT, which, yeah. which was kind of interesting because honestly, when I was testing it, one one thing that confuses a lot of um, a lot of Chat GPT or questions about uh, you know what color was the Lone Ranger's horse? So the Lone Ranger's horse the name is silver, but the horse is actually white. And so um, whenever you would go to Bing and you would type that in, it would the text would say that it's you know a white horse, but it would show in big letters the presentation was was silver I ran into similar issues uh with with chat gpt as well but they seem to be doing a better job in the the mashup if you will of, of the two the being plus chat gpt and and i think um you know google is going to have to do the same thing they're going to have to come up with some type of classifier to figure out what the what the question because the the chatbots don't necessarily they're just using language models they don't actually know what they're saying it's not actually as i'm sure you're aware it's not actually intelligence it, right. but it, it it sounds good enough that it would make you believe and and another thing i came across too was so you mentioned pubcon and i was trying to do some research that would be applicable to pubcon to the presentation it was in austin texas and it was at i believe it was 1600 university avenue or 1900 i can't remember but um basically it was at this big new conference center and i i asked i asked um chat gpt what was at the address of the conference center before the conference center was built and it actually gave me uh, a gym that was one of the first buildings it has a lot of historical value it told me that it was torn down and as far as as far as i can see um i actually went by it when i was there it it appears to still be completely intact at another location and it's been um, transformed into like a um a computer almost like a data center um it's been modernized so that was one one thing that i thought was interesting and and so over time, just like there's a deviation between true north and magnetic north that if you don't know that and you're following your compass, <clears throat> excuse me, you, you can wind up miles mm. off target. The same thing could happen with true content versus the truth down the road. If, you know, if there's a five, if there's a 5% error in the content that you're using to do your research, you may copy that and possibly make another error and then AI may see that and, and you may be 10 to 15% away from the truth at the end of the day. That's very interesting. I love, I love the examples you're, you're giving here too. You know, one of the things I learned from you was about self-tests. I didn't know about um, self-tests are basically what, <laughs> our audience. What are these self-tests and how should people listening use them? Um, yeah. So Google actually provides you, you mentioned there were two updates. I think there was one in like August and then another one in December. Mm -hmm. And so they, they kind of touched on the self-test to begin with. And then whenever they rolled out the new one in December, I believe 
they they went back through and added some additional questions and so things like uh you know making making the title making it descriptive questions to ask yourself you know would this be helpful is it is there a certain target audience is it new and interesting um content that hasn't been shared elsewhere um but there are there are ways around that you can actually so i mean back to amazon amazon's a great example there's not really a whole lot of unique content there but they have um structured the page and added some additional functionality that that does add value and and makes the content unique so for example you know i mean it may have the manufacturer's description it may have images but then whenever it starts right at the top it has you know bullet bullet points it has in stock information shipping information coupons um it has all the ratings and reviews it has people who looked at this also looked at that people who looked at this went on to buy this uh, there's there's a lot of additional information uh, that can be done at scale and and that's that's another one of the key aspects that mm -hmm. i think will be important for people that really take care of it and and that could also be one important area for for ai too is to, to help figure out you know because like a kid's jacket is not that page has to have a little bit different functionality than you know a, a, a stein you know like a, a beer mug and so by adding by by testing over time to see what works the best uh, that's one way they could definitely work to to improve things. But it's going to be interesting to see once Google's uh, product comes out how that how that works. In which I, I don't know. Another example was um, seems very fitting here. I asked um, Google's Lambda through the Test Kitchen AI. Uh, you know, imagine I'm at PubCon, and it was something about the the response was. Imagine I'm at you're at PubCon, a annual convention of bar owner of pub owners, and you know bar owners. Everyone is drinking and having a good time, and you know the audience got a big kick out of that because um, there were no bar own owners or pub owners, unfortunately, and nobody was drinking. So um, unfortunate indeed. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, well, interesting. And the other thing you mentioned the the timeline was interesting to me because. It, the, the update to the update happened in December of 2022, but then another big thing happened in 2022. That, that was the month we stopped talking about EAT and yep. started talking about EEAT. Yep, it's annoying to me because I, I liked how EAT worked and I, like, it made sense to me. And the now the new acronym doesn't flow as well, and I like <laughs> and I, I I don't I don't get it. But uh, what's more important than that is that that, that Google added experience to expertise, authoritativeness, and trust. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I think it, also sorry. they showed too that trust was at the center, was the most important element in, in that, in that experience, expertise, authoritativeness, um, and trustworthiness in the family is what they call it, I believe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely, I, I pitched to speak at, you know, PubCon like October and, it was right after the first two releases came out and then in December, Google, you know, added the extra E in, in the quality raters guide. And then, um, then they modified, they added all the extra self-help questions 
and then chat GPT came out the end of November. And so, you know, I thought I was all done and wrapped up and then, you know, I'm still editing my presentation that I sure, you know, they probably won't ever ask me to speak at PubCon again because they're you were not the only person doing their presentation. I can promise you that. So here's the thing that that comes to mind though. Yes. So so that's a very important point that, that trust is at the center of this, but I don't understand the difference. So wouldn't experience be folded into trust? Wouldn't that be kind of one and the same, a component of trust would be your experience. Can you help me understand the difference between those two kinds of trusts and experience and how Google evaluates those two things? So, I mean, going, going back to what um, one of the Google's VPs talked about is, is um, they said that their hypothesis were that, and, and, and this came out of what they were seeing in the financial industry, how some of the, the new entries were actually making major headways. Uh, smaller banks were basically coming up to par with very large respected banks in a short period of time. And so it's, it's the helpful content. It's the fast, it's, it's the speed at which, you know, the pages load. It's the, um, the frictionless aspect, how smooth does, you know, how smooth does everything, does the website work? Is it clunky? Does it get hung up when you're trying to, to check out? Um, it's, it's the personalization in which, Personalization is an interesting thing because people are like, oh, well, personalization doesn't really have anything to do with SEO. But I mean, that's the that's Google's whole job. Nothing's more personalized than finding the answer that you were searching for. So you almost it's almost like you you get a fast pass or whatever. You get to go around that. You're, it's automatically a personalized experience if it's what you were looking to find. And then the mobile friendliness. Um, along with the helpfulness, all those things together combine to to make a, 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 to make the company trustworthy. Just because the the experience that they provide demonstrates that they have the user's um, best interest in mind. So I, I would assume that if you go to a bunch of spammy um, phishing type of websites, that they probably don't have fast, frictionless, personalized, you know, helpful you know, digital first, I mean, mobile first experience. Right. So. No, I think there would be, there would be some friction there. I think you're right. So, well, here, here's a kind of some, some questions that I feel I have for you. So, um, you know, essentially you, you've read all this stuff. So one of the things I noticed about your presentation, you cite sources from internal Google documents. Um, you've, you, you mentioned the VP of Google here. Um, this is an evolving story, right? The, the ChatGPT is going to change, and that these these guidelines are going to change, and the information even on this show will will probably be outdated in uh, a matter of six months or so, or a few months. How do you, as a as a as a person who's in this profession, how do you stay on top of this stuff? How, you're, you're reading constantly, you're, you're you're cataloging things in Twitter. How do you stay abreast of the information? So. Um just in, in fairness, the whole chat GPT thing just happened to come out. I mean, that was kind of a separate, um, you know, phenomenon from, from the, the helpful content. I mean, helpful content has kind of been growing and, and it's, it's always the whole 
issue of online trust just kind of accelerated because of COVID. It had always been there. And I mean, there's been all kinds of research. Um, You know, one thing that's interesting is, is, you know, you go back to the beginning when, when Google was founded, like nobody's ever done this before. And one thing that I've found is that Google has a history through, um, through Stanford of basically going back and looking at other ways of doing things. So um, one thing I found that's very similar is uh, whenever it's come to quality content in the past, the whole aspect of, of quality content versus spam, it's almost like this is another refinement of, of quality. So it, it's possible now that you could have quality content that's not as helpful based on on the query and so it's almost like it's the next iteration but um actually like it's very similar to there used to be a process that librarians used to decide they only have a certain amount of money to spend on books and uh there were several people who researched uh, what makes a good book valuable to, to people to attract them to your library and so there were a number of, of things about you know how the book is laid out, how the binding is, is it quality, you know, does it have a good cover, is it informative, um, things like that. And so I, I personally think that a lot of this, that they've used kind of that um, framework yeah. to, to uh, in applying it to, to, to websites. And, and a lot of it come, goes to the expertise and authoritativeness. I mean, if somebody, if, if you don't know who the author is, you don't know if it's authoritative or not. And, I, and I'll give you an example. My, we were shopping for like a vacuum cleaner and I came across this, you know, whole long page that was about HEPA and all the great things about that as far as, you know, getting sick and having allergies and how it takes all the dust out of the air and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, well, you know, that's a really good article. This guy, you know, must be like a doctor or something. And so I went back up to the top to the byline and clicked on it. And it turns out he's a vacuum cleaner salesman. Uh-huh. And so I didn't know how I felt about the article after that, because I mean, he's trying to lead me down the road of the vacuum cleaner that he sells. Whereas I thought I was reading unbiased um, information. Mm. And, and so I, I almost felt like, you know, almost felt like I had been taken advantage of like I, I felt like this should have been written by a doctor. And, and I mean, I don't know what of that was true. And because, I mean, it was getting into some very technical terms that, you know, I would expect somebody, a medical doctor to, to be the one to, to, to say that. So, um, so in answer to your original question, again, chat GPT was kind of a separate thing that just happened, but, but this, um, helpful content quality content has kind of been evolving for some time i just think it accelerated during COVID. and i mean you think about it because like people who don't live in a big city that were out in the country during COVID in more rural areas i mean they may not have ever seen an amazon truck until a couple of years ago and yet you know again and same thing with google i mean i live in atlanta and um Google's had a data center outside of town, but it doesn't have any signs on it. And, yeah, uh, and, um, and yeah, they didn't, now they have a building here and they had a little bit of a presence, but it was only one floor in a building, but, but 
literally that was the only location in the state of Georgia. So if you didn't live in it, if you live in, in Georgia, but you didn't live in Atlanta, you've, you've been using this company for a long time and you've never seen a building or anything to give them credibility. So that's fascinating. That's fascinating. Well, it's an interesting topic. Absolutely. Um, well, we, we didn't mention uh, your, your day job at all and uh, how people can contact you. If, if people want to learn more about you or, or what you guys are doing, what's the best way to contact you, where you work, sure. you know, on social media, those sorts of details? Probably um, on Twitter, it's at BESRE.com. I uh, was VP of SEO at Razorfish, recently laid off, currently looking for a new position. So, um, so yeah, yeah feel, right. feel, feel free to throw all the job offers and, you know, my way, especially, you know, especially ones like you guys have. So, all right. Awesome. We'll, we'll uh, keep your DMs open and we'll, we'll hopefully uh, get some people. Mm -hmm. in so, Brian, I've really enjoyed the talk and, uh, thank you, thank you again for your time and, and, and the mug. You bet. You bet. Thanks for bringing it down. Patrick's day. Likewise. Likewise. I'll give you a virtual cheers for now. Uh, for everyone else, uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of Southern Search. Thanks, Brian. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you, everyone.